you have your Bible open, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 19, and we begin in the chapter of here looking at the passage that Pastor Melanie read just a little bit ago, and we're looking today at the people of Easter as we journey through the season of Lent. And as we journey through this season of Lent, considering the people of Easter, we're going to consider Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we think about her a whole lot at Christmas time, but we might not think so much about her when we come to Easter. But she was still alive these years later, and she was very much so aware of Jesus and all that was happening with Jesus, to Jesus, and by Jesus. And she is our person that we focus our highlight on today. Reminds me just a little bit of a boy who was a little guy. He's about six or seven, and he was really wanting a bicycle. And uh, he was up in his room, and he wrote out his prayer, and he said, Dear God, I want a bike. I won't sin for a year if you'll give me a bike. He folded that up and sealed it up and took it out to the mailbox. And on his way to the mailbox, he looked over into the garden, and he saw a statue of the Virgin Mary. And he thought, "Mm, nah, I better not give this letter. I can't be good that long. And so he ran back upstairs and he wrote another. Dear God, if you give me a bike, I'll be good for six months. I won't sin for six months. I won't do it. And he's headed back out to the post office again. He looks over and sees the statue of the Virgin Mary. And he thinks, nope, I don't think I can be good for six months. But I sure do want a bike. And so he ran over into the garden and uh, no one was looking. And he grabs a statue and he runs up into his room and hides it into the closet. Sits back down at the paper and he says, dear God, if you want to see your mom again, give me a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to look at uh, the Virgin Mary today. And I just want to tell you that I respect her a great deal. And when we get to heaven, she is one person that I hope after you get a chance to talk to her, I get a chance to talk to her. She is a lady who gave birth to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'd like to sit down and talk with her because parenting is a real amazing journey. And what would it be like to be the mother of Jesus, the mother of God, to be able to be walking on the earth in that, in that role. He's her savior too, of course, but to be given that assignment in that role. So she's going to show us today in this message how to be faithful to God's plan, even when it goes through unusual seasons. That word faithfulness is a word that we're captured by today. Mary was a lady, first of all, that honored God. In Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 28, we see that the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, was given the assignment to come to the earth. And when he comes to the earth, he was assigned to go and visit with a young lady. You would think he would go and visit with someone who would be a king or someone who might be in the religious order somewhere. But he was not called to do that. He was called to go and to speak an assignment to the Virgin Mary. Of all the people he could go to, Mary. Why Mary? Verse 28 begins to talk to us about the reason why he would be assigned to go and speak to Mary. Look what he says. Mary, you're highly favored. You are blessed among women. That's a pretty high compliment, isn't it? That's a real high compliment, the highest he could give her. And then in verse 30, he says, you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. That's a prolific moment whenever a person finds favor with God. She went then over a little while later, just three months later, she goes over to Elizabeth's house. 
Elizabeth was her cousin. She had to travel, Mary did, to get there, and so she goes on her way, and as she moves from where she had been to where Elizabeth was, she comes into the house, and Elizabeth feels John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, leap within her womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. Unusual moment, but he was. And in these moments, Elizabeth begins to sing Elizabeth's song. And in verse 42 of Luke 1, she says, blessed are you among women. And then in verse 45, you are blessed. Here's why she's blessed. Because you have believed. Not just because you were, but because you have chosen to believe. You know, it's one thing for us to be around the faith. It's another thing for us to open our heart to receive the faith, isn't it? To receive Christ into our life. To allow him to minister in us and to do something extraordinary through us and for us. And so Mary would take these things and begin to process them in her life. Liz Curtis Higgs, who has been here a couple of times, an author and a speaker, she said this, Mary's name is synonymous with innocence and purity and devotion. And her calling was like no other woman's before or since she gave birth to the Savior of the world. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 48, it says, all generations are going to call her blessed, and we call her blessed even now. Mary, the scripture says, pondered these things. I wanted to know, what does that word ponder mean? Pondered has a pretty clear definition, really. It really means that, that she took these things out and she remembered them and she laid them down side by side in chronological order. So when you read Luke's gospel, Luke, who was into science, and Luke, who was into detail, would understand and appreciate Mary's chronological order as she lays these out, as he pens his words for that gospel of Luke that we have. A powerful, powerful writing. Max Lucado says this, it happened in a moment. It happened in a moment. The omnipotent, in one instant, made himself breakable. His spirit became pierceable. And that's something. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. He who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God is a fetus, holiness, sleeping in a womb, the creator of life, being created. God was given eyebrows and elbows, <laughs> two kidneys and a spleen, he writes. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. She is a lady that is honored. I also noticed something else in this idea of faithfulness. Mary helped launch the ministry of Jesus. Those that are in some sort of a occupation or line or trade or those that are in some ministry can go back in your mind to somebody that might have helped you get started in your, in your journey of life. They helped you get going in some way in the career path that you're in. Maybe they were the person who spoke confidence into you. Maybe they were the person that gave you an opportunity. But you realize that they're a person that was significant in your life. And you begin to open yourself up and you say, wow, what is this? Jesus and Mary were attending a wedding in Cana. And as they are there in Cana of Galilee, the area where Jesus spent a lot of time, most of his miracles, he has not yet performed a miracle that has been recorded for us. He's about 30 now. They're attending this, this wedding, this marriage. 
And as they're here at this place, Jesus being around 30, that's a time that most of the people in the ministry would begin their ministry. And so in chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, it records for us there that at this wedding, they ran out of wine. Now their weddings are different than ours. Ours, we go to a wedding, a few hours, we go home, right? Their wedding would be for several days. And so in understanding it would be for several days, they were in day three. And in day three of this, of this particular wedding, they have run out of wine. And Mary says to Jesus that, uh, verse three, they have no more wine. Now, if you're a son and your mom comes up to you and says, I ran out of flour, you know she's making all kinds of statements by that. Can I get a witness in the house? She means if you uh, would do what I want you to do, but long about right now, you're going to go give me some flour. <laughs> it's time to go get some. We need some flour. We're out of flour. Or we've just changed the menu. We have no flour. And so she says to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus says in verse 4, what in our Western culture could appear to us to be kind of a slam and a slight to his mother. He says, woman, why do you involve me? If you said to your mom, woman, why do you involve me? In our Western world thinking, you might get a pop up side of coconut. <coughs> your southern side might get a little bit of hickory tea. <laughs> and you might be a patriotic person singing the stars and stripes. Because, at least in my generation, if we had referred to our mom as woman, not a good thing. My mom, five foot one, had a bolo board on the kitchen wall and she used it. If you're watching now, Mom, I love you. I'm afraid you'll come after me now. But here it was in this moment of this miracle, in this moment of this wedding. And woman doesn't mean then. It, it, it's an endearing term, and it means ma'am. It's a polite term. Ma'am, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come, Jesus says. Mary conveniently ignores that. Did you notice that? Has your mom ever ignored something? If she has, say yes. You talk back. You all are way more saintly than I gave you credit for. <laughs> I ignored a thing or two my mom said and got reminded of it pretty abruptly that I needed to take care of the matter that she said I was supposed to take care of. Now, can I get a witness in the house? Oh, yeah. And so it was time to take care of it. And so Jesus in this moment is standing there and Mary just turns away from him and turns to the servants and says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She may not know what Jesus is going to do, but she knows Jesus can take care of the problem. You may not know what Jesus is going to do, but I want to tell you, he knows how to take care of your problem. You don't know how to take care of your problem. You just know there is a problem. You can say to the people around you, just do what he tells you to do. Just do what God is blessing. Just be what he wants you to be. Just go where he wants you to go. Just say what he wants you to say. Man, when you do that, you start living in the blessed zone of God. You start surrendering your heart to him and he begins to do for you and in you and through you something that makes life beautiful and worth living. And your Bible says in verse 6, 
there stood six stone jars nearby. The kind used by the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Did you hear that? Each holding 20 to 30 gallons and Jesus says go fill them up with water. And his first miracle takes place at that wedding. The people head of the head of the wedding said, why'd you save the best wine to last? That's because Jesus put his touch on it. And I've just got a feeling that some people can be marveled because you've, they've seen Jesus work a miracle in your life. And when he blesses you and when he touches you and when he helps you and when he answers prayer, give him the blessing. He still calms stormy seas. He still helps you on your way to the doctor and on your way from the doctor. And he can be with you and stand beside you in the fire. And he can help you in your, in your relationships. And he can help you raising your children, even your teenage children. And he can help you forgive people. And he can forgive your sins. This is who he is. Mary helped launch Jesus' earthly ministry. Still remember when the phone rang. It was way back in the dark ages when we had phones on the wall. It was right after they invented fire and the wheel. We had phones on the wall and I, it was one of those rotor dial things. And I picked it up and on the other end was a man named Richard Payne. He was a good guy. His name was a little funny, but he was a good guy. And uh, he said, Kevin, I need you to go preach. I was 19 years old. I had not really preached anywhere. I just spoken a couple of devotionals at my church. But he said, I want you to go preach at a church for me. I have to be gone. It was a small church. I said, okay. He helped launch me. I was scared out of my head. He helped launch me into my ministry. There's a third thought I want to point out here about Mary and her faithfulness, and that's this. Mary stayed near the cross of Jesus. She stayed near the cross of Jesus. You know, yesterday I met with a couple back here in our, in our area that was closed off. It was a chapel yesterday for classes and stuff near the fireplace in our lobby. They had just learned <clears throat> that their nephew had passed away suddenly, unexpectedly, at 21 years old. Their hearts were broken. And I said to the gentleman there, a minister friend, I said, we expect our kids to bury us, not us to bury our children. But God knows what has happened. And God knew what was happening here. Mary and Joseph take Jesus as a little baby, just as a little baby, to the temple to fulfill the ceremonial laws that they were supposed to fulfill. Luke chapter 2, verse 29 begins to help us understand about this. When they walk in, Simeon, an old man, Scripture calls him an old man up in years. He was this older guy. He had been waiting to see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord had given him a promise that he would send the Messiah before Simeon died. And Simeon sees him come in to the temple court area, and his heart immediately is notified, this is a family, this is the Messiah. Verse 29, he says to God, you have kept your promise to me. My eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation. This is powerful. No matter how holy we get, no matter how much we hang around the church, we are not the Savior. <laughs> he is a Savior, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross for us all, myself too. It is level at the cross, and we all have the opportunity to come. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus is for all the people, he goes on. 
And Simeon then begins to explain in verse 33 through 35 something that was very prolific that would be understood most acutely in the heart of Mary, more than most. Simeon explains, verse 35, a sword, a sword will pierce your heart. It will crush you. He's blessed about the baby and salvation, but he says to Mary, a sword will crush your heart. There are many ladies right here across this congregation today, and you would say of yourself, I've had a crushed heart. My son has gone out, my daughter has gone out and done stuff that has been so crazy. I couldn't believe it has changed and altered our family, my life, their life, oh my. Some may have family, friends, incarcerated, or even dead today because of decisions they made. And these things are very hard to handle. But to stand there and watch your son die this slow death, and to be able to do nothing about it, a sword will pierce your heart. That is what is being said here. I want to tell you that our salvation is not automatic. Jesus had to die, and Mary's heart had to be crushed. It was crushed. Only Jesus provides salvation. Only Jesus can provide forgiveness of sin. Only Jesus is called the Savior. But I will tell you what, those standing by would see this, and their hearts would be crushed. Salvation is God's gift to us, given to us by Jesus Christ himself. No other. Not by me. Not by some absolution, not just by us walking up the steps, not by going to the wailing wall. It is given and granted by Jesus Christ himself, who is God in the flesh. He is what's called the propitiation for our sins. That is, he is the answer for our sins. And not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. He is offered for our sins. He is a gift for our sin. He is the one who is providing our atonement. Rick Warren puts it this way about the three qualities of God's gift to us of salvation through Christ. It is the most expensive gift you'll ever get. It is the only gift, second, that'll last forever. And third, it's the most practical gift because you'll use this gift the rest of your life. Amen. Mary was in the crowd then and starts seeing Jesus as he is hoisted up on that cross, nailed there. The nails most likely through his what's called his hands, but it would be through here because the scripture would tell us none of his bones were broken. So it was most likely driven right through there and through his feet to hold him to the cross. And the vertical sag would create the suffocation that it usually would take a few days for a person on the cross to die, to suffocate. If they weren't suffocating because they'd have to heave for their breath, they'd push up with their feet to get more momentum against the nail that was holding their feet. And as they would push up and push down. The sag would happen. They would eventually begin to just suffocate to death. If they hadn't, they would break their legs by hitting them with rods and just break their legs. And in doing this, they would slump then and not be able to push themselves up to gain a breath. And they would suffocate on the cross. I want to tell you something. They did not kill Jesus. You say, what? Your scripture says he gave himself willingly and died in our place. When he said it is finished, it was finished. Not when they said it was finished. Not like most other people that would hang on a cross. It was finished when he said it was finished. He died when he said he would die. He took his last breath when he said he would take his last breath. And 
he died. And he alone, the scripture says, has power to lay down his life and to, listen, take it up again. And that's how he came out of the tomb resurrected because he took his life back up again. We ask the question, who killed Jesus? Well, we know our sins did. We know God allowed him to be. We know the Sanhedrin did their part. We know Pilate and the other guys did their part. But really, he allows himself to die because he came to be the sacrifice for sin of all time. And God demands blood. And it was the blood of himself. Jack Hayford writes it this way, from the beginning Mary knew the difference between who she was and who Jesus was. When we read of her presence at, at the death, we would be devoid of human sensitivity not to sympathize with Mary's heartache as she watches her son bear the agony and the torment of his cross. Simeon said it in verse 35, your heart will be crushed. She may have had a question that would run through her mind because Jesus begins to answer a question that isn't necessarily recorded in Scripture, but we know it was in her mind because here she is getting it answered. He says something again using that word woman in verse 26 of our passage in John 19. He says, woman, behold your son. You know, John, the beloved disciple, is the only one who doesn't leave Jesus when he's crucified on the cross. He is standing there next to Mary, Jesus' mother. There were a couple of other Marys there who were there as her friends. And Jesus now begins to speak to Mary, his mother, and begins to speak to John, the beloved disciple. And he says to his mother in verse 26 of your passage, in John chapter 19, he says, Woman, behold your son. Ma'am, mom, behold your son. On the cross, Jesus has seven last words recorded. This is one of those sayings of the cross. They're called cross sayings. This is one of them. And Jesus from the cross, giving this cross saying, was saying in this moment here. I want you to know this is your this is your caretaker now. I'm handing your care over to him. Joseph would have been dead by now. He's an older man. Jesus was born. But it's a term of endearment. Then he turns to John and he says, John, he says, son, Friend, disciple, he says, son, behold your mother. The transfer is now complete. Take care of my mother. Isn't it something how God in his plan of creation takes care of everything? He sends an angel to tell Mary. He sends the Holy Spirit to conceive Jesus. Isn't it something that through all of this whole thing, he sends the shepherds, he sends the wise men and the star. He sends all kinds of things to take care of Jesus. He protects over him. He anoints him. He helps him through his ministry. He does everything that needs to be done. And in this moment, Jesus takes care. God takes care of Something like his mother. You would think they would say, well, the system will take care of you now. But he doesn't. He says, hey, take care of her. Dr. Brian Simmons in his writing says this, do a double take in Genesis. A Genesis double take. Genesis where Adam and Eve fell, you know, in the garden, sinned. And remember the broken, busted, original creation is being recreated anew. Through Jesus, the anointed one. This is powerful. 
Stacy, I'm going to ask you to come up here with me right now. I want you to read Mary's prayer. Come, please. This is um, Dr. John Maxwell is writing about different ladies of the Bible. He writes about what Mary would say to us if we went into heaven and saw her and she had a prayer for us while we're coming back to the earth. Here would be her prayer that she would say to us. Would you please read this? I know you're a reading linguist, specialist, so you can come up in the moment and read the passage for us. She needs a microphone. Get her microphone. There it is. Pretty loud, She's pretty loud. I know her, but it's okay. Is it on? It's okay. on. Just read. You're good. All right. Thanks. You'll do great. Um, I boldly request that you speak to these dear servants of yours. Ask big things of them. Make them uncomfortable. Stretch them in ways that they have no idea that you can. And give them the will, the heart, and the faith to say a wholehearted yes to you whenever you ask. May their obedience change not only them, but the world. Amen. And in that reading, your last year, you've kind of lived that life. You left your occupation you had really trained for and had no real reason to leave it and agreed to be our director at the daycare in Lehighton. And six months in, 87 students already. Yes, 87. Thank you. Thank you for your work. You're welcome. Of living that prayer. And thank you for coming to read that right now. Aww, God bless thank you. you. God bless you. <laughs> and this is what God wants for all of us. He wants us to live in that faithful role. Lord, wherever you lead me, whatever twist or turn life will take, let me say yes in a wholehearted way to you. I will follow. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word today. We don't have donuts for you. <laughs> but may you go in peace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the Lord be with those of you that have watched me today and watched this service today. And may he speak blessing into your heart as you go throughout your day. May you be a blessing on the golf course, in your neighborhood, at your church service you go to following this one, wherever you go, be a blessing. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine on you. May he be gracious to you, now and forever. Amen.